action. Movie kings and queens, welcome to episode 247 of the Real Game Movie Show. I'm your host, Mike Lovins, and with me, as always, if he chooses to accept that, my co-host Ryan Provost. Howdy, Mike. Hey, Ryan, how are you? I am great. How are you doing? I'm good. I'm good. Uh, good morning. Good morning. Well, you know, yeah. Depending on what people listen when, to this, depending but on when people we're, listen, but we're switching up some recording times. Yeah, and recording in the morning. I have a coffee. Instead of a seltzer, so yeah, yeah, it's fun uh, times. Yeah, good way to good way to start the the week. The best part of waking up, <laughs> yeah, is Ryan in my house. Okay, uh, <laughs> yeah. So we are talking about Mission Impossible: Dead Reckoning Part One, one of the longer titles uh, of, of of the summer movie season. Yeah. Um, but uh, we'll get into it in a little bit here. But I appreciate that part one. You know what I appreciate. <laughs> The fact that they don't seem to uh, have any shame about the fact that, like, how many missions can technically be called impossible before you realize that maybe they're all just possible? Like, (laughs) I feel like this whole franchise is kind of a misnomer, you know? Like, that's a good point. You keep calling it Mission Impossible, but then they keep accomplishing the mission. This is, I mean,. You know, I feel like it's not a spoiler to because it is part one yeah. to say that the mission isn't fully accomplished by the end of this movie. So maybe uh, it's a little more impossible. It's not like it's standard porn, you know. Usually <laughs> porn, they finish their mission uh, yeah, by yeah, the yeah. end of the movie. But uh, this one, the mission is not entirely finished. Which, again, I don't feel like it's a spoiler because it's widely known that there's a part two Although coming. Dead Rectuming Part 1 did end with a cliffhanger. Uh, literally. <laughs> there was some hanging off of cliffs. Uh, yeah. So, uh, which we'll get into. But yeah, so I just feel like this this franchise is just a big lie. Yeah. Like, these missions are, in fact, possible. Even though they shouldn't be. <laughs> they really sh- They're impossible for anybody else except for the people that are doing... <laughs> Not the people. Tom Cruise. Tom Cruise. <laughs> Tom Cruise is on a mission to prove that he can do the that impossible. He can do... And he alone can do it. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, well, let me go ahead and read this synopsis. It's actually a pretty brief one for as long as the movie is. Ethan Hunt and his IMF team must track down a dangerous weapon before it falls into the wrong hands. Uh, so again, directed by Christopher McQuarrie, who uh, I, I feel like Christopher McQuarrie and Tom Cruise are just like this powerhouse team. Well, it's funny because the premise of these Mission Impossible movies when they started was each one will be a different director with a different style yeah. who will kind of give their take on a Mission Impossible. So we had uh, John Woo, we had Brian De Palma, who had directed the original one. J.J. Uh, Abrams, J. Yeah, yeah, yep. Brad Bird, who did Pixar movies and The Incredibles, did one of these. Uh, but then, after those four, switched over to Christopher McQuarrie and hasn't gone back. Hasn't gone back. Yeah, I feel like Tom Cruise has a closer relationship with Christopher McQuarrie than any woman he's ever been with. <laughs> like they seem to work really well together and have a very do really well in terms of complimenting each other's creative visions. You know, if some of those rumors are true, you know. Oh, stop. We're not, <laughs> we're not going to be the podcast that engages in such slanderous filth ab- about uh, speculating on anyone's 
sexual identity. Gotcha. All right, Come all right. on. Moving on. We're Move better on. than that. Are we? Okay, moving on. <laughs> We're going to make fun of Tom Cruise. It's going to be because of his height, because he's a little guy. Oh. <laughs> I thought you were going to say his religion. But. Oh, well, you know, I don't need the Church of Scientology coming after fair, me. Because even though we don't have a huge listener base, like, you know, we do uh, this listen. for fun. We don't do this to promote. But I do feel like the Church of Scientology will find us and will eliminate us. That's the thing. I, you know, kind of getting back into the, 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 the plot of the movie, I feel like their AI is probably <laughs> listening for something like that. Of course. Of yeah. course. Yeah. Um, Xenon is watching. <laughs> exactly. Uh, so, of course, you know, Tom Cruise and, and uh, Ving Rames and Simon Pegg, uh, Rebecca Ferguson all return. This time around, we've added uh, Haley Atwell um, and uh, and Palm Clementif, which, uh, so, what's funny is, so, in this movie, we have two Marvel ladies. Yes. Uh Captain Carter and uh, Mantis. Mm -hmm. And then uh, Vanessa Kirby, who plays the White Witch in this movie, is uh, kind of one of the front runners. White Witch? I thought she was White... I thought it was White Widow. White Widow. You're you're so (laughs) right. Why did I... uh, You were mixing... You were thinking of Marvel, uh and you were mixing Black Widow and Scarlet Witch to create a new character for Vanessa Kirby to play. Uh, uh, Anyway, uh, she is one of the frontrunners for Sue Storm. Who isn't though? Like I, I mean, know that's true. <laughs> yeah, I feel like uh, I, Robbie is. I feel like and, I've been contacted. Yeah, to yeah, yeah, see yeah. If I was interested. I would. I would watch that. Yeah, it'd be a good storm. A hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, okay. <laughs> there uh, is one specific part of me they said I would need to make invisible to make the role work for me, but uh, yeah. Uh well. <laughs> yeah. Uh, okay. So, you know, one of the things we talk about a, a lot on here. Uh, is movie runtimes. And I want to start off by saying that at two hours and 43 minutes, I felt like this movie flew by. It did. I mean, especially considering it's not just that it's a two hour, 43 minute movie. It's that it's a two hour, 43 minute part one. (laughs) There's an entirely other movie that very well could run over three hours. I would not be shocked that. So they had all that time and still couldn't, uh, you know, end the story. But I agree. I thought it had a great pacing and I was engaged the entire time. I mean, this is the second movie this year, along with John Wick chapter four, where the runtime kind of beat me over the head. I was like, Oh my God, am I really going to have to sit through this long ass movie? And as much as my partner wanted to see this one, he was like, I don't think I have a three hour movie. I mean, my guy, I can't go. (laughs) I said, I totally get it. It's fine. So I had to go solo, but it flies. It's great. It, it doesn't lag. It was a really, yeah, fun time. I was happy about that. Um, and I mentioned Haley Atwell. I just wanted to throw in here that I really liked the chemistry that she and Tom Cruise had in this movie. Yeah, she was great. Uh, she's a great addition. The, the, what she's been introduced as in in this movie, I I hope she doesn't uh, die off in the second part because I'd like to see her continue on in this franchise. I would too, and I'd even go further and say that I think her chemistry with Tom Cruise in this is even stronger than her chemistry with Chris Evans in the MCU. Movies. I think I'd agree with that. I think I'd agree with that. Uh, which I mean, she doesn't get a lot of time with Chris Evans in the MCU movies. If you really think about it, yeah. it's really mostly in the 
original Captain America. And she's great in it, and their chemistry is good, but I feel like she and uh, Tom Cruise have something really nice going in, in this. Yeah. A uh, little bit of an age difference. You know, Tom Cruise is 61 now. He is. Uh, and uh, so, is he still believable as this character, or is it time for him to, to kind of wrap it up? Do we think he's got more in him? I think, okay, uh, here's the deal. I think it's more believable that he is still playing this character because he looks great. Yeah. Like, he definitely looks different, but he looks great. Than the fact that he's 61 years old. He does not look yeah. like a 61-year-old man. So what's funny is I heard somebody else say this, So, uh, but I was like, I have to bring this up. He is four years older than Roger Moore was when Roger Moore aged out of playing James Bond. Yeah. So, I mean, uh, he doesn't... Uh, it, something with Scientology is working for him. <laughs> Uh, okay, we're not gonna. <laughs> I'm not gonna sit here and. Uh, I, I'm just. I, I'm just saying. Uh, but, he, he's made a deal with some kind of devil, because uh, he looks great and he is in peak physical shape for for 61 years I old. I mean, uh, you know, I I go to the gym pretty regularly. I you know do what I can, but I struggle doing like even pull ups. And this guy is jumping off of cliffs and uh, hanging off of airplanes uh, and all this kind of crazy nonsense in his late 50s early 60s now at this point and it's just unbelievable well i'm watching and there's like kind of an extended scene where he's like running through a town uh and he's in dress shoes and i'm watching him run like fast and i'm like oh my my feet hurt watching that yeah there i i can't i can barely run in running shoes. I mean, I was watching, me and my partner were watching an episode of Celebrity Family Feud yesterday that had uh, RuPaul on okay. it. Okay. And I'm at the age where watching Family Feud, I was even thinking, oh my God, they have to stand behind those like podiums that whole time that they're filming. That must be exhausting. Yeah. Like, <laughs> just the thought of standing in place for a long time. I'm like, Oh, that seems like a lot. <laughs> so, yeah, being 60 years old and just running take after take to, like, you know, film an action movie yeah. seems just... Im- that's the impossible mission, truly. <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, here's the thing. Like, I mean, he can keep making these kinds of movies for as long as he wants. Um, my, my guess is after part two, I bet he's got two more of these in him. I still know. It'll be interesting. I mean, they could do the thing in part two where they kill him off, but I just don't think Tom Cruise will accept be- having a character killed off yeah. on screen. I mean, he didn't even let Maverick get killed off last year, so I just don't know if he'll let Ethan Hunt go. But I don't know. I'm like, does does he go the route where like Ethan Hunt becomes like more than an agent maybe he's running the imf and it's more of like his minions doing his bidding but he so he still gets to be involved but so could like, be he could be he could go to that alec baldwin kind of role yeah but probably more like central to the yeah, movie yeah. you know he'll always be central to these movies mi's q or uh, m but like okay what would you put a percentage wise of the odds of tom cruise making a mission impossible movie 
post the age of 70. 40%? My guy. Harrison Ford just made an Indiana Jones movie, and he's 80. Tom Cruise is definitely making a Mission Impossible right. movie in his 70s. <laughs> okay. 60%. I think it's like... 75 I think it's like 85 90% that <laughs> if he doesn't die doing one of these stunts for right. these movies, right. that he is going to make Mission Impossible movies, possibly even into his 80s. I feel like he just saw Harrison Ford do Indiana Jones at 80 and said... Challenge fuck, accepted. Fuck that dude. <laughs> I'm going to be doing this in my 80s, too. Like, and I'm going to actually be doing it. No, None of this de-aging technology, nothing. Like, I'm going to... He's going to have Mission Impossible 14 come out when he's 90. Yeah. Like, he's... It's going to be... We're going to all be dead, and he's still going to be making these movies. <laughs> it's very possible. Very possible. Uh, I, I mean, he made a Mummy movie, so, you know, maybe he's gotten kind of some of that... Uh, that that immortal mummy blood in for his hundredth birthday, he's gonna do one of those like space jumps where he jumps from one of those like high up in the atmosphere things for Mission Impossible. Well, I was gonna 20. say he's already got planned to do a movie that's actually gonna be in space. Yeah, so you know the guy, God bless him though. Like he's you know doing things we've never seen before, and that alone is entertaining. Yeah, like and he's clearly doing it because he loves it and he loves doing this kind of stuff for the audience so i'm here for it yeah uh well and these movies um they so one of the things i've kind of thought about with the with this franchise is they've gone from kind of a lot of that uh um more from more spy thriller kind of thing to uh a lot more, I think. I, I think more heavy on the action and, and stunts and stuff. So, um, but do you judge these movies like on the the plot or the characters uh, or like kind of the quality of the the the, the action and set pieces and all that? Yeah, I mean, that's what I was thinking as I was watching the movie. I was like, okay, and as I left the movie, like. When I watch a movie like this or John Wick or something like that, am I saying it's good because I thought the plot was great and I thought, oh, what a creative, you know, direction they went with that? Or is it, oh, that stunt was really cool or that like action scene was really cool? And that's, and I think it is more of the like, that second part. Like, and not just, oh, wow, look how many people you know tom cruise killed in this movie or something like that it's more so like how it's filmed and how uh directors and you know stars who are really involved like tom cruise make really interesting creative choices in terms of how they actually film these set pieces to make them look interesting and i think that's why a lot of people are honestly getting a little fatigued with some of the superhero stuff we're getting is because it's all kind of starting to look similar <laughs> and look the same whereas there is a lot of care in this movie about how each of these action pieces are set up i mean i would say this you know the same about like fast x and the fast franchise they are just so blah because i feel like they're just they want to go bigger when they don't realize that what they need to do is think creatively yeah. about what they can do that's different that we haven't seen before. Well, and I think this this franchise and and especially with this movie, I kind of think that the that 
it's a good blend of, of of all of that. Like there is, there was definitely good character development in in this movie, but we also had incredible action. Sure, uh, and I I think that's required. And I, I think one of the things that like this movie did really well, uh, and this franchise really does well versus some of some of the other action movies and and comic book movies and stuff is that they blend the practical effects and, and actual stunts and locations and all that so much, so much better. I mean, there's, there's CGI of course, but it's used where it needs to be. Well, and it's how it's blended together and it's how it's used. Right. So it's, again, it goes to the creative thought of how do we shoot it in a way to where, you know, it's less about whether or not we have to use CGI because, of course, there's going to be some that are co- that's a component of it, and more so like how do we make this feel real or different or exhilarating so that the audience is truly engaged, and especially you know it's more of a ask nowadays to get people to actually go to theaters because people are more discerning about when and how they're going to choose which movies they're going to actually shell out cash to go yeah. see because it's not cheap. And you got to show them something they haven't seen before. <laughs> right. And, and I mean, there is so <clears throat> much, so much of the promotion of these Mission Impossible movies now is, hey, look at this wild stunt Tom Cruise yeah. actually did for this movie. He's strapped to a plane. He's jumping off a cliff. He's doing this. He's doing that. Like, I remember one of the trailers I saw, I think it was before Avatar last year. It wasn't actually a trailer for the movie. It was a feature on the oh yeah on the jump that he did. Did you yeah. ever catch that? Did you ever end up seeing that? Yeah, and it's you know, and that, that's what's incredible is that so like the 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 ramp that he takes up, uh, you know, we see it as a mountain cliff, and it's a ramp built onto the edge of a mountain. But then he takes that motorcycle up, and then actually jumps, and so like. I could see where so many movies would make that a when you see him hanging there from a parachute or whatever that it's green screen. Yeah. You know, and no, he's actually jumped and has a camera on him in the in the air. Yeah, I mean, and sure some of that is like green screen and like, you know, CGI and stuff like how they put the scene together and yeah. everything, but the fa- you know. And But that's how it should be used. <sighs> But I'm not saying that every actor has to jump off a cliff, right? But like, <laughs> yes, but they should. that is a more compelling reason to get people to go to the theater than say, you know, I send it to you and I'm very excited about seeing like Wolverine in his traditional yeah. yellow garb at the next Deadpool movie. But seeing Wolverine in his traditional yellow garb or seeing <laughs> Jennifer Gardner come back as Electra, which is a thing that's apparently happening in the yeah, movie, yeah, yeah, yeah. is not what's going to get people excited necessarily. But that's so much of what Marvel and superhero movies rely on is, ooh, you're going to get to see this hero you haven't seen before or that you haven't seen in a really long time. And that's what, like, gets people in. So yeah. much of the Flash marketing was, hey, Michael Keaton's back as Batman. And it just doesn't work. I think Tom Cruise knows that, like, him putting his life on the line <laughs> for these wild stunts is what's putting some butts in seats. Yeah. And it's effective. It's it working. Yeah. It's working. Um, we're kind of uh, getting into the, the the plot of this movie, which uh, focuses heavily on... AI. AI is kind of 
the the villain of this uh, this movie in a Which way. Which I think is clever, right? Because there's only so much like, oh, our we can do whatever we want with machines now. Like yeah. these movies kind of make it to where it's kind of if a spy needs to be able to do something. You just have this magic computer machine that like lets them do it. I feel like we've been we're in an age now where spy movies can just kind of do whatever. Yeah. Like there, there's we don't need that like practical like re- reasoning or rationale behind why they can do stuff. Like the first Mission Impossible movie, Tom Cruise had to literally break into the CIA yeah, physical yeah, yeah, yeah. space, and now it's just a computer hacking thing usually to get into something. So I think it was smart to use AI to like thwart that advantage that modern technology gives and and it's kind of uh whether they planned it this way or not it's it's kind of uh you know relative to to what's going on a lot in the world right now with just people's fear of ai uh and um and what i'm what i'm liking about what the direction that that this movie went with and you know We'll continue on with the with the second part. Um, is that I don't feel like it's like a Terminator or iRobot kind of thing. Like I don't see them going to like the AI entering some kind of automated body or or anything like that. You know, um, so it's it's it feels less sci-fi and more like shit. This could happen. Yeah, it does. I mean, I'm, I I feel like AI is going to destroy us all anyway if we don't take care of it ourselves first so you know it's fine (laughs) i do watch these movies i'm like yeah that's we're totally gonna you know we're creating our own uh future destroyers we really are you know no at least we get a good movie every now and then before exactly it happens it's great (laughs) um uh, oh real quick okay so length of the movie yeah. When do you go pee for a movie like yeah, this? Okay. <laughs> so this is something I put, you know, in our in our notes because I was wondering this because like I had a, a struggle during this movie. It's a long movie, right? And, and we've both said we're kind of at the age anyway where almost every movie we're gonna have to take at least one like pee break. And, and depending on the type of movie, I have realized that how I determine when I'm going to go. It does depend on like what type of movie it is, yeah, yeah. and so I had the inner dialogue in this, uh, in the inner conflict during this movie of okay, I have to pee. These movies have basically two different parts that happen kind of interchangeably. It's action set piece, long action set piece that takes maybe like 10, 15 minutes, and then a like come down from that where everyone's kind of like reassessing talking giving some exposition creating plans for what to do next to go to us to the next set piece yeah so when do you go to the bathroom do you go during the action set piece when there's not a lot of plot so you're not going to miss anything that's critical to like understanding what's going to happen in the movie but you miss these big action set pieces that you came to see or do you go during those like exposition plot points where you might miss some of the like motivations for what's happening, yeah, but you're not missing those big bombastic things you want to see. So where where do you land on that? When did you go to the bathroom? Uh, I didn't. 
Wow. You brought your own, di- you wore the Depends. Um, no, I had a bottle. <laughs> uh, no, I went literally right before the movie and then I raced to it after okay. when it got done. Uh, I-, I made sure there were no end credit scenes for this movie and I made, so then uh, I was able to go as soon as the credits rolled. So when would you have? Okay, so I was kind of thinking about that and... Um, before I give you my answer. Yeah. yeah. Honestly, I say during the action, and because I was even thinking, like, after the fact, um, like, there's a long car chase where I feel like I could have gone to the bathroom and gotten back, and it's still happening. Or, uh, like, there's a part in this movie where the train is derailed and it's falling apart. Like, there was stuff happening there that I feel like I could have raced to the bathroom and gotten back, and that would still be happening. But see, Mike... That's where I disagree. Okay. So, okay, this is a great conversation because okay. <laughs> I end up going during the exposition because going to the bathroom in a movie like this during one of those action scenes, it's like going to the bathroom in a comedy, like when the big like joke set pieces are happening or going to the bathroom during a horror movie when like a bunch of big kills are happening. Like you go to these movies to see the action set pieces. So why would you leave in the middle? I was about to do that. I was thinking, oh, I'll just leave in the middle of this action piece. I think it may have been the car chase. <laughs> but then I was like, but that's why I'm here is mm. to see this, this stuff. I'm not here to like actually understand the plot of this movie. I don't give a shit. Like, <laughs> Cause here's the thing, Mike, I feel like all these movies have essentially the same, like, they have the same villains. They have this, like, basically spy movies have three types of villains. The villains who want to uh, rule the world. The villains who want to get a bunch of money, hold the world ransom. And the villains who kind of want to tear everything down and have anarchy and prove that the world's corrupt. Gotcha. Right? Like, yeah, those yeah. are the three. Maybe I'm missing one. Tell me if I know. That sounds about right. But they're all essentially somewhere on that, you yeah. know, in that. This one is more of a world domination kind of kind of thing uh so who cares like the plot is what it is you know so just enjoy the the action for what it is really you know the best place if you're talking going to the bathroom during exposition uh there was a scene unfortunately it was a little closer to the beginning though so you may not have had to pee by then but there was a scene in uh in this movie where like all the the leaders of this organization or whatever, uh, uh, well, I guess of the country, the uh, they're all sitting in this room, uh, and just it's so exposition heavy. Like everybody has like something to say, and it's like a one line plot. And you 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 had the, uh, yeah, one scene where we had uh, the woman who was in Game of Thrones and in um, Obi Wan. I can't remember her name now, but uh, like. She's one of the leaders of the country in this room. Anyway, uh, it, it was so exposition heavy and like kind of bringing everybody up to speed. Um, that was the one area in this movie where I was got just a little bored. <laughs> that would have been a good bathroom point, but it was too early in the movie. Yeah, I went uh, in the expositions during the exposition scene before the the train. Okay, stuff. Uh, so it was after. There is a big death in this movie. It was after that death when they're all kind of mourning and lamenting yeah, yeah. and getting ready to like go on the last big thing. Uh, so yeah, so that's when I went because I was like, okay, clearly we're getting towards the end of this. I can't 
not go i can't go during the like actual big train stuff. sure so i need to just knock this out now so that's when i went uh real quick speaking of trains so this is the second movie in a row uh that we've talked about that had like a fight on top of a train uh indiana jones oh had that that's right it did. yeah yeah uh is it really that easy to stay on top of a fast moving train <laughs> <laughs> There's only one way to find out, Mike. I mean, I, 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 it's I, it's just uh, I I was watching it and I was thinking, I, like, well, and it I, was kind of a callback to the first Mission Impossible movie, which I think was intentional because that one famously featured a big train you know, topping I, fight. I, I need to go back and watch some of, some of the other ones because I, I, yeah, I didn't go back and yeah. actually watch. I went and read some stuff on something to like refresh my memory on what happened in some of them and who some of the characters were yeah. because I forget honestly between movies. Uh, I even forgot that the White Widow was just in the the last one. <laughs> yeah, and that she's the daughter of Max from the first movie. Yeah, like there's all these like connections yeah, and yeah. stuff that like you forget. Uh, because, like I said, I go to these movies to see the spectacle, yeah. not necessarily to get super invested in the characters. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, I, I will say, though, well, no, scratch that. Well, let me, okay, real, real, real quick before we kind of move on to some other stuff. This is part one. Yes. And this is the third movie kind of in this blockbuster season uh, that is a part one. I mean, yeah, semi-spoiler alert, but like Spider-Verse is a part one. Uh, yeah. And Fast X is essentially a part one. <laughs> and, and and both of those needed to be... And later this year, we're going to have Dune part two. So we just had Dune part... Like, yeah. We, yeah. Yeah. Um, but how do you think this one did versus the, those other two in like maybe it's 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 cliffhanger and how it 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 wraps up this specific movie well this here's here's where i think tom cruise gets like mass audience entertainment better than most like those other two movies tried to like surprise you with their part one yeah like spider-verse originally was Part one was in the title, and then yeah. they took it out and renamed the third movie to take out the parts one and two. Uh, so a lot of people haven't known, as we've discussed, that that is a part one and have left surprised. Some have left frustrated, but like, you know, didn't expect that. Uh, Fast X purely did not say it was going to be a part one. Yeah. Like, I think there was some speculation that it may have been, but like... It was never promoted as a part one. It was always promoted as this is Fast X, Fast 10, whatever. Uh, and then had a huge cliffhanger. This like, one literally ends in the middle of an action scene. Yeah. This one was very upfront the entire time. This is Dead Reckoning Part One. You know, he knows, yeah, the title looks ridiculous, but it lets people know what to expect. And it's just a title. Right, who no, who gives a shit? So I like that for one that they're very upfront. This is part one, and I feel of the three movies, this one was the most complete. Yeah, like it did feel like it had an ending, and yeah, there's more to do, but like Spider Verse ends kind of in the middle of the act of things building up, yeah. right? 
uh, Fast X, like you mentioned, ends in the middle of an action scene, essentially. Uh, this one ends, like, they finished the, like... Right. I what mean, they were doing, without getting into spoilers, there's still more to do, but, like, it finished kind of, like, with a, a wrap-up. Well, like, the MacGuffin part of this movie comes to an end to lead into what they're going to try and do in, in, the, in next the next one. one. Yeah. And, 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 and that worked so well for me. Yeah, I think... You know, while I still think Spider-Verse is a better movie, and I do like that movie more, I like the part oneness of this movie more. Like, I feel like it it makes more sense uh, as a part one, part two. where Because I feel like they're going to feel like two separate movies that complement each other. Whereas Spider-Verse, I think, ultimately is going to feel like one long, like one big movie. Yeah. Uh, that is split into two parts. Uh, so yeah, I, I think this was really well done. And then Fast X is just trash. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. It's just trash. It wasn't thought out. It was just stupid. You know, it was the dumbest way to do it for sure. I, I agree. Um, all right. Well, you want to get in takes or do we have sorry. any spoilers that you want to, <sighs> what'd you think of the villain? Isai Morales, his character. We haven't talked about him. How's he? How's he do as a villain for you? I I liked I liked him. He he kind of put a a a, a human element to this AI villain. Yeah, because um, he kind of he wants to like kind of work for the AI. To I couldn't quite tell if he wanted to work for the AI or eventually be able to control the AI. Yeah, in some sort of, like, he wants to utilize the AI to kind of pursue the world domination. Whatever his uh, goal. Um, I, I, I like that they uh, gave him a, a history with Ethan. And they were able to kind of quickly in a way give us the the exposition and the the you know the backstory of that um so we so we're able to kind of put uh some emotion behind what uh, what Ethan feels with with seeing this this guy and all all that stuff um so i i thought i thought he worked as as a villain in many of these movies the villain is often just a plot point to to move the story along in our hero's journey. You know what I mean? Uh, maybe you don't, I don't know, but, uh, but he worked, he, he worked for me. Yeah. Uh, you said all that without mentioning the most important part, which is he was sexy. <laughs> like he, well, maybe that's in my takes. He was very, <laughs> okay. So maybe it is. And that, if it is, then, uh, great. But he is a very, that's what struck me first. I was like, I was kind of surprised this is the second Mission Impossible movie in a row where Tom Cruise has gotten someone who can kind of rival his, like, attractiveness yeah. factor. And at least with Henry Cavill in the last one, it's like, well, he's, you know, what, 30 years younger. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. you know, of course he's going to be whatever. But Isai Morales has the, like, daddy hot kind of vibes going on. Like, yeah. So. Yeah. Well, okay. Get it. So. My gayest take literally is that Gabriel gives off major evil daddy vibes. 
Yeah. And uh, I was kind of thinking that I wonder if he uh, keeps killing off all the people that Ethan loves because he's trying to... Oh my god, speculating on people <laughs> sexualized. Mike, that is not what we do here. That is not okay. <laughs> he just gave that vibe to me. I'm sorry. I know he's a murderer and he is trying to take over the world and kill it's not speculating. so it's, many people, it's but wishful we thinking. are not going to speculate on his sexual orientation. It's it's not speculating. It's wishful thinking. It's fan fiction. It's fan, that's exactly what it is. That's exactly what it is. This is this is my Fifty Shades of Grey to uh, to Twilight. Yeah, sure. But yeah, no. I thought he was great. I thought Palm worked fine. I had the kind of like James Bond uh, henchman thing where I it's kinda, like I kind of liked that though. I, I um, she was close to being my no ma'am. Really, to be honest, because I was like, it's not quite working for me, but it was fine. I I, I liked it. I, I thought because it was just so different than 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 Mantis that I, I liked seeing her, even though she didn't talk a lot in, in the movie. I, I liked yeah. uh, just that kind of mysterious uh, henchman sure. thing that she had. Yeah. But I guess the biggest, like, spoiler plot thing that moves a lot of this forward and gets Ethan riled up in this movie is the death of Ilsa. Yeah. So, she is a character that has been with us for, how many of the movies now? Three? I think this is her third. See, that's the thing, is that they blend they They all start to yeah. blend together. I can't this remember. Is the third or, I believe her first one was Rogue Nation, and then she was in Fallout, and then this. So, okay. I think this was her third. But she dies in this movie. Yeah. Twice, kind of. <laughs> uh, but once for real. Yeah. What did you think? Did you have a connection to that character? Did it, like, resonate with you? What did it mean to you? Like, It, it didn't really. Um, like, I, I could feel that Ethan had all the emotions and, and stuff. But um, I, I, I think because it kind of seems like... Um, these kind of blend together and all that. Like, I didn't really feel like I had that much of a connection to this character in the first place. And also because like in, in the previous movies, um, at least with like, from what I remember with, with fallout and even with this one, she's not in it a lot. So you don't really get that invested in her character. Yeah. Yeah. Cause I'm kind of the same. Like I wasn't super invested. Like I certainly wasn't very emotional about it. And I, I think some of the reason might be because we've been trained with this franchise in particular to aside from Ethan Hunt and you know, Ving Rhames as well, who's been in all of the movies yeah. and now Simon Pegg is basically like a, a central character. If either of those two characters were killed off, I feel like I would feel something. 100%. But with the others, I think we've been kind of conditioned to think that people come and go, yeah. like, naturally in this franchise. Like, Jeremy Renner was once part of this franchise, was, I think, supposed to, like, kind of take, take over. Take over, yeah. Um, that didn't work out. You know, Alec Baldwin came and went. Uh, you know, we've had these side characters. He had a freaking wife who was in a movie and popped up in Fallout in the last one. Uh, so the characters kind of come and go anyway. So yeah. like when one dies, it's like, okay, well, I guess they, they're on the way out and there'll be another one. In. I mean, Haley Atwell literally was already in, yeah. you know? So I feel like it's just kind of a revolving door anyway. So like when a character is killed, like I said, unless it's like Luther or uh, Benji, I'm not really going to feel 
too much about yeah. it. Yeah. And certainly, like, Ethan, if Ethan dies, then... I don't think this is a Bond situation where they just recast Ethan Hunt. I think Tom Cruise is Ethan, Ethan is Tom Cruise. It's a Harrison Ford, uh, Indiana Indiana Jones Jones. situation. Uh, You can't. It's not going to happen. Not unless you like completely rebooted the franchise. Yeah, which would have to. Yeah, I I just I think Tom Cruise would have to be long dead and gone before that could happen. Yeah. (laughs) So, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Takes. Takes. Uh, okay, so I gave my gayest take. You did give your gayest take. Uh, my gayest take is: What do we have to do to get a gay, a good like gay spy movie? Like, there was that like Q Four show on Netflix, the animated comedy yeah. show. But like, I mean, an actual like gay spy. I mean, gay people are already so like we are trained to be secretive <laughs> about our identities anyway for it's most true. of our lives, you know, for a long period. So like, I feel like there's some queer spy movie that yeah. could really like be useful. I, I, I think that would like all kidding aside. I think that would work really well. Yeah. I mean, his gayness doesn't have to be central or her, Yeah, you know, or their queerness doesn't have to be essential to the plot, but come on. I mean, there should be a queer spy. There, there should be. And, and I'm going to counter what you said and say, I want it to be central to them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, but no, I, I, I like that. I, I'd like to see that happen. The dildo of destiny. You know, like, we just need it. Yeah. 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 <laughs> anyway. Yeah. <laughs> that can be the MacGuffin. All right. Uh, your shadiest take. My shadiest take um, is just based around an unfortunate situation that's going on right now with uh, the WGA and SAG-AFTRA strikes. And that, that, you know, Dead Reckoning Part 2 now, along with so many other movies, including the next Spider-Verse movie, um, are just all... Production is stopped on all these. So... All, all these movies that we're expecting to like get like either next year or or relatively soon after that, um, we're gonna have to wait even longer. Yeah. Now, um, now I, I I will say me personally, I am a hundred percent with the people that are that are striking. I get why they're they're doing it, and um, it's just it's it's unfortunate that that it came to that, but it's also you know for the consumers and the and the people that enjoy these movies, it's unfortunate that. Um, that now it's it's that's going to be affected. Yeah, I'm with the unions. You know, I'm willing yeah. to have to wait longer to see stuff that I love as much as it sucks and and we hate to see right. it. Right, we're allowed to be but disappointed. But... I am willing to wait so that people get treated fairly yeah. and get the money they need to like live lives. I I'm not buying into this corporate bullshit that they're you know <laughs> strapped for cash. I know it's not like the most lucrative time to run these like. Uh, you know, entertainment businesses right now they're they're not doing the best because of a lot of losses due to streaming and other things. But you still got to pay people a living wage. I'm sorry, it's right. just not an excuse. That's the thing is that <laughs> and people so- that are opposed to this they when they think of like actors, they're thinking of the Tom Cruises and the Brad Pitts and stuff. But the majority of the people in these movies are just you know they're 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 working people they're, they're working, working people. class people and 
you know, certainly on the writer side of things, it's the same. I mean, obviously, you can point to writers and actors who make a lot of money, but those are the few and far between. Yeah. Just like you can point at anyone in society and be like, oh, well, there's rich people all over. Yeah, but like they're the the exception, not the rule. Yeah. And it's the same with these folks. And it's why unions are so important and essential is that because they're collective a collective they can work together to try to make positive change and ensure the livelihoods of all these people and all these unfortunately sec- sectors of society where labor is not unionized either for legal or other reasons uh it's unfortunate that they're they get screwed and they can't do anything about it unfortunately so yeah i i support these unions i hope they get stuff and ironically one of the big sticking points in both of the negotiations is the use of ai Uh in uh in entertainment so you know i i have obviously as i said earlier greater fears about ai but (laughs) where it comes for people's livelihoods i also feel for so yeah i i really stand with them and hope that they get what they need out of this yeah what is your shadiest take uh my shadiest take is a little less uh serious but it is you know, in John Wick this year and now in this movie, we've had uh, set pieces that take place in these like big extravagant parties that have like, oh, yeah, you know, EDM and these lights shows and everything. But it's all these like fancy people there like this party in particular is like, you know, people in suits and tuxes and fancy dresses. I'm like, I don't I have. And may, I'm just probably not part of that part of society, but, like, I have been to parties like this before, like, EDM shows and lights and all this kind of stuff. And I've been to fancy things before where, like, people are in suits and everything and never the two shall meet. Like, I just don't feel like that's an authentic real thing. Like, but have you ever been to one in Europe? No. <laughs> if you're dressing all fancy like that and everything, I feel like the vibe isn't, like molly and (laughs) and like blaring music and crazy lights like i just feel like those are not i don't know and maybe that's just there is that world somewhere that i'm just not part of but i don't think okay let me put on my tux so i can go to this go stand around this party with like uh all this shit going on like it just doesn't seem like the vibes are correct. Well, the next time I'm invited to one, I will make sure that they extend an invite to you okay, as well. Cool, cool. As long you know, just make sure to save room on the gondola to get there <laughs> right, for me. Right, right, right. right. Yeah, <laughs> I, just, I don't know. It feels weird to me. Yeah. No, I get it. Yeah. Uh, well, who slayed? I mean, I can't go with the obvious. I I, I went with Haley Atwell because okay. I thought she was a great addition, really fit in with this movie, uh, brought something unique and interesting and fun to where I hope, obviously we'll see her in Dead Reckoning, but I hope we get to see her in this franchise even beyond that. Like, it would be delightful to see her become another member of Ethan's yeah. crew going forward. Yeah. It does seem like that's the direction that they're, that they're going. Uh, so... Um... Yeah, hopefully she's not just a two and done. Yeah, um, I, I, I'm glad you said her because I I did go the the obvious. I was just so enamored by Tom Cruise in this in this movie. I just just everything he he puts himself through in this and and how he's really not not just carried the franchise on screen but but off yeah. and, and and I just uh, it, it's just amazing to me. Yeah. Certainly seems like a passion project, and I, you know, applaud the 
the this entire experiment yeah. and franchise yeah, yeah. for what it is and just how it's kind of gotten better as it goes along like they've really found what this is and it's a lot of fun yeah yeah 100 percent uh okay what about no ma'am okay there if there's anything in this movie i would say just cut it out it's not necessary it's the shea wiggum and greg davis characters briggs and deg deget diga they're some sort of like i don't know if they're fbi or CRA or whatever but they're chasing ethan the whole time i'm not entirely sure why even like (laughs) but they're chasing him this entire time and kind of like showing up everywhere he goes and it just didn't work for me. I was like, me why do they matter? Who, Like, what is their purpose? I yeah. don't get it. I don't think it helps the movie or the plot along in any way. No, same. They, they're, they're also mine. And, you know, it's just like they added an extra element that just didn't need to be there. Like, I feel like there's a combined 10 minutes of screen time involving them that could have been cut. Yeah. Um, and And even like... So uh, the 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 Briggs character, like at, at, at the end of the movie, it, it like on top of the train, it kind of feels like he and Ethan kind of come to some kind of understanding. But then a few minutes later, he's running in, gun drawn to try and and nab Ethan again before he jumps out of the the, the train. Like that didn't make sense to me. Yeah, and so much of it feels like personal like for some reason and yeah, i don't but, like, understand this is the first time these characters have been in this movie it's just so weird yeah i didn't i didn't love it no me either uh drag queen okay i feel like this is also obvious i feel like it's alana but which white widow yeah yeah uh but specifically only when Haley atwell is pretending to be her like has the mask on like i do think it would be very funny in this in one of these movies if the mask because it always is just the actor playing yeah yeah you know uh if it was just grotesquely obvious that it was like not yeah like if it was just like tom cruise in a way (laughs) and lipstick and like fully made up to like try to look like her (laughs) and i think it would be a great bit if it like worked if like everyone bought it (laughs) it was like oh my god i couldn't tell it was you you know i just really want that to be a bit i I love that i i also said white widow and I, I didn't specify that scene, but that was the scene that made me solidify in my head that she was going to be my choice for for drag queen. Uh, the scene that you were talking about where it's supposed to be Haley Atwell's character. Um, but I absolutely love the idea of just Tom Cruise actually in drag. Or Ving Rhames in drag. Oh, my yeah. God. <laughs> any, honestly, any of them. And, like, everyone's like, oh, my God. You know, I want, you know, them to be, you look so beautiful. Something about like Simon you. Simon Pegg in drag, but he doesn't shave. Yeah. <laughs> and it works. And, yeah. And, like, the guys he's trying to convince are, like, hitting on. Like, oh, my. <laughs> such a beautiful woman. I've never I've never seen you quite like this. You know, I just, yeah. I feel like that. Come on. Yeah. It's right there. I love it. I love it. <laughs> Uh, well, what did you rate it? I gave it three and a half reels. Okay. This was a lot of fun. It was great. Uh, you know, definitely up there is one of the better action movies recently. And one of my favorite movies of the year so far, I would say. Like, we just did our tops of yeah. the year last week. This probably, this would slide into that if 
we had done it a week later, but yeah. you know, it's July. So yeah, yeah, yeah. it is what it is. Um, well, it 100% would have made my list because I gave it four reels and it's actually topped uh, Spider-Verse for me as my favorite movie of the year so far. Wow. Yeah. Uh, I just, um, aside from that one exposition heavy scene that I mentioned earlier in the movie, uh, this movie just, it, it had me the entire, the entire thing. So if you were given the opportunity, they said, Mike, we have Spider-Verse to the next Spider-Verse ready. We have the next, we have Dead Reckoning Part 2 ready, but we can only show you one. Which one do you, right now? Right now? Which one would you say, I got to see that one first? I got to see the conclusion of this. Okay. I, I, I really do. Um, I just, uh, 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 what am I trying to say here? Um, it's just, I, I, I don't know. I, I love animated movies, and, and, and but I think... It, it, in a way, as much as I loved Spider-Verse, it's still kind of in... It, it, it's playing into that uh, just... There's so many comic book movies and stuff. And, and, and I feel like good, like really good action movies have kind of taken a back seat. And like this one just hits so many marks. And I just love a good action movie. Fair. Okay. I would say Spider-Verse, but that's just me. <laughs> yeah. And, no, it's and, fine. and that's fair, because yeah. if, 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 if it was that versus almost any other movie, I probably would have said Spider-Verse. Yeah. yeah. Obviously, Fast 11 is the real answer, but, you know. Is it going to be Fast 11, or is it going to be Fast 10.2? I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> uh all right. Speaking of not caring or not, if you, <laughs> if, if you care to or not, uh, become a real friend and follow us at Twitter at Real Gay and at Real Gay Movie Show on Instagram and Facebook. Got something to say? Slide into our DMs. Also, wherever you listen, please subscribe and never miss an episode. So that's it for this week. Have a real gay day. <laughs>